A Song Can Change Your Life is funded in part by the Fulton County Board of Commissioners and presented by Home by Dark Productions, the City of Alpharetta, Fulton County Arts and Culture, and Arts Alpharetta. A Song Can Change Your Life is recorded in the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center, located at 238 Canton Street, Alpharetta. To learn more about our programs and events at the Alpharetta Arts Center, go to alpharetta.ga.us and search Arts Center, or click the link located on our website, asongcanchangeyourlife.com. Hello and welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life, where we talk with one songwriter one-on-one about one of their songs. My name is James and we're coming to you from the Black Box at the Alpharetta Arts Center in awesome Alpharetta, Georgia. Our show is brought to you by the Fulton County Board of Commissioners, Home by Dark, the City of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, and Arts Alpharetta. My guest today is singer-songwriter Marsha Ramirez. Many people have seen Marsha performing on stage with artists such as Rodney Crowell, Patti Loveless, Pam Tillis, Tanya Tucker, and more. Now people are discovering Marsha's own music as she's becoming an in-demand performer at many venues across the country, such as the world-famous Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. Marsha is a multi-instrumentalist, as well as one of Nashville's busiest session singers. And Marsha has recorded five solo albums. Her song, God and My Girlfriends, was cut by Reba McIntyre on her CD, Sing It Now, Songs of Faith and Hope. And her song, You Belong in the Sun, is on Jody Messina's greatest hits, garnering Marsha her first gold record. Marsha has also had her songs cut by American Idol finalist Scott McIntyre, Australian country music star Belinda Schneider, Grand Old Opry stars The Whites, Nashville star finalist Rachel Williams, and many others. She is currently touring with pop legend Christopher Cross and is squeezing in her own shows across the country as well. On this episode of A Song Can Change Your Life, Marsha and I talk about her amazing career in music and the incredible story behind her powerful song, Ticket to Tulsa. There's a box in the attic that he has to hide What's left of a ticket and some letters inside His only connection to what might have been If they had been older and wiser back then They were so young, she was just 17 they shared a love that just couldn't be So when she started showing that hot July day With no explanation Marsha Ramirez, welcome to A Song Can Change Your Life. How are you? Thank you, James. I'm great. Um, t- you came to town last night for a show, a concert with Home by Dark, and um, it's always just great to have you here. It's always great to be here. Um, I, it's like I said last night at the show, when I see your name on my cell phone, I don't even ask, I don't have to ask, what do you want? I just go, yes, I'll do it. That's good to know. I'll <laughs> use that for my, my, my evil deeds in the future. Um, a Song Can Change Your Life is the name of the show. 
And I was thinking of you on the drive over here this morning that it's, it applies to us. And so here's here's my story is I was playing uh, years ago at the Bluebird Cafe on the Sunday night writer's night where yeah. they let amateur young writers play three songs. And mm-hmm. I was playing one night and a gentleman named Jim Parker was there and saw me. Jim has a songwriter show in Huntsville. I think you've played that. I have, yeah. yes. And so Jim invited me to go to Huntsville and play. And um, it's my first time playing with real songwriters that had hits and stuff. And and um, somewhere along that journey of doing multiple shows with him, I met Kim Parent, a mutual friend. And then Kim introduced me to you. Yes. And then you became part of our lives. And so Jim told me um, after he booked me, he he heard me at the Bluebird, one particular song. It was an old song called Two Inches Deep. And he said that was the song that kind of triggered him to book me. And so that song, for me, with that relationship, is really sort of led me to you. And you have changed my life, our relationship, just as friends and musicians. Um, so that's a, a little example of, of that phrase, how it, things, how it applies in my life. Is there any examples for you of, of a song can change your life that, that you can think of that, that rings true to you? Oh, gosh. Or even like songs growing up, if it might have um, affected you to, to act a certain way or go a certain way. or Yeah, so many songs changed my life. I mean, for me, in my younger days, um, I, I was really into more contemporary Christian stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Um, there were definitely songs that I remember Amy Grant's My Father's yeah. Eyes. You yeah. know, that was one of the first ones that just like really captured me in, in many ways. And... Um, at that point, I thought, I want to be Amy Grant. I'm going to move yeah. to Nashville. I want to do what she does. I want to touch people with my songs the way these songs are touching me, mm-hmm. you know. And and then there have been several other artists throughout the years, you know, that have have uh, had certain songs that have that have resonated deeply with me. And then as a songwriter, you know, I just try to do that. Yeah. When I'm creating a song, try to find something in the song that's going to resonate with other people. Yeah. So for, for you, where where was it in your life journey of when, you know, I think because a lot of I think a lot of kids get exposed to music and, and like music playing mm-hmm. growing up. But there's some there's got to be some point along the path where you think of in terms of I like music, but I like creating music as a songwriter. For you. Where, where, at what age? Where, where, where that? That was that for you? Well, I, my first song I ever wrote was a Christian song, and this was probably in high school, even even before I discovered Amy and the Imperials and oh, yeah. some of those groups. Um, but uh, I was so enmeshed in my music program at church and choir, and that's where it all started. My parents, you know, we were Southern Baptists, and we were in in the door. Anytime the doors were open, we were there. And Is this Arkadelphia? Arkadelphia, Arkansas. First Baptist Church of Arkadelphia. Shout out to all the Arkadelphians. That's right. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, small towns in Southern Arkansas, and uh, that's where I started singing, you know, and... Um, I started writing. I think the first song I ever wrote was this uh, Christian song with a really unique title, something like "You're the One." You know, I don't know. Yeah. It was just it was it was all I could come up with at the time. But I, you know, the songs started kind of coming out. Although, honestly, I, I didn't. I couldn't even really imagine that that would be a career path for me at that point because yeah. I was just in this little small town. My world was really yeah. small, and I I just didn't know anyone that broke out of 
there and did this sort of thing. So I, I, and it probably didn't at that age. It probably didn't really matter because because the joy was in the process. Of it was. It. Yeah. it was just the process of creating it, and I wasn't really thinking about going on and and doing it for like a career. Plus, at that point, I didn't realize that there were all these different levels to the music business. I didn't know there was such thing as a staff writer that where you could get paid just to write songs. And I didn't, you know, I either thought you were a star or there was nothing else. Like I didn't know all these other jobs. I was just naive, you know, with that. Um, In the last few years, I've done some work with an online songwriting thing called songyou.com. So, Mm -hmm. you know, songwriters all over the country can just sign up and they can learn from professional songwriters right online. You know, if I'd had something like that, it would have been so amazing to be able to develop my craft at a younger age. But back then, I didn't didn't know what I was doing. I was strictly writing from the heart. You know, I didn't know if they were any good or the craft of it all. Um, but I, I just knew that it was a wonderful creative outlet. Like when I wrote a song and finished it, um, it, it did something to my soul, yeah. you know, creatively that felt good. So how, how do you end up, how's a girl, how's a little, how's a girl from Arkadelphia <laughs> end up in Nashville? Well, um, uh, it was a broken road, you know, yeah. it was just all over the map, but, um, um, I was actually, my first husband, I was a guitar player and wanted to move to Nashville to, to get into country music. And I really didn't know that much about country music um, growing up, but followed him up here, um, uh, well, followed him to Nashville and was just kind of a stay-at-home mom for a while uh, and uh while he pursued the music business. But I would still write my little songs at home, and then I would find small little places in Nashville that were little songwriter nights that I could go kind of test out my songs. And um, so I... I, you know, and then I would, I had this little four track recorder at home and I would put, put my little boy to bed at night and I would stay up all night trying to write songs and create and record them on this little four track. Uh, you know, again, it was just a creative outlet for me that my soul needed. You know, I didn't know if I would ever do anything with the songs, but it was just something that I felt I had to do. Were you thinking in terms of just, I want to be a songwriter mm-hmm. or, or as an artist? Um. That's a good question. I mean, I part of me wanted to wanted to do the artist thing, but in a weird way I never really wanted to be famous. Mm-hmm. I just again, I didn't know there was other routes besides being an artist, right. you know. Um but then as I uh, started getting deeper into the music business, um well I got I got a divorce and I was trying to figure out how to pay the make, bills. Pay the bills. Yeah. And I got a call from a guy one day that had seen me at one of these songwriter nights. And he said, hey, Pam Tillis is looking for a piano player that can sing background. And he said, you know, I saw you. I know you're a good player and a good singer. Would you be interested in auditioning? And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't even own a keyboard right now. And he was like, well, 
go rent one and come audition. This could be a good job for you. So I did. I went down and rented a keyboard and wow. learned all of Pam's songs and got the job. And so at that point, I started, I started touring um, in her band, and that kind of started my professional career. But then I got really tired of being on the road all the time and missing my, my son. And I was starting to write a little bit more and more. And then I was like, wow. I found out I could get a, a job just songwriting in Nashville, and I could stay home and be a mom and still be able to, you know, tap into my creativity. And so that was my next goal. And so that was the next step. And I got a, a staff writing job at a publishing company called Curb Magnetone, yeah. and I loved it there. And that was the start of my songwriting career. She wrote him a letter just so he'd know she named her Anna and then let her go. Oh, he felt so helpless. How could he not care that there was a part of him out there somewhere? Then I worked with another amazing songwriter and artist named Rodney Crowell. Oh, yeah. Loved yeah. my time with Rodney and learned a lot about songwriting from Rodney. Um, he was one that I... He was prolific. He was writing all the time, and it was interesting to see his process because we would be riding along in the van, and you could just see him. He had this little um, little uh, notebook in his pocket, small notebook and a piece of pencil, and I would see him just staring out the window, and you could see his wheels turning, and he would be writing the stuff on this piece of paper, and then we would get to sound check that day, and he would pull that out, and he'd just start kind of messing with the song, and as a band, we would all start kind of falling in, and we would watch him and kind of create this song, and then the next day, it was the same song, but he had changed it a little bit. I just watched this process happen, and it was interesting, and, and I remember him telling me one time, um, that because as a staff writer, sometimes they would they would give you assignments. They would say, okay, Reba McIntyre's looking for songs, so we want you to write a song for Reba McIntyre so we can pitch it to her. And um, he said, oh, don't ever do that. Don't ever write a song, you know, for an artist. You just, you write a song, whatever the song wants to be, just mm -hmm. let it come out and then it will find its way. And he said for years, he was a sideman in Emmylou Harris's band. And as a songwriter, he wanted an Emmylou Harris cut. So he kept thinking, how can I write these songs for Emmy? And he would come to her and go, I wrote this song for you. And she would listen and she would go, yeah, that's okay. But what was that other thing I heard yeah. you messing with the other day? He said, you know, when you try to force a song into a certain specific place, it just doesn't usually work. Yeah. You have to let the song come out the way it wants to come out, and then it'll find its way. Yeah, we've, talk, we've talked a lot about this on this show with other writers, is that songs seem to have like a genesis and, and a, a life of, that they're they were created specifically for a thing, a purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as, a, as opposed to you trying to to beat it into place, it, it, it's it's going to be like this plant. It's going to be a plant, and part of part of what you're to do is to let it grow in its own timing. Um, make sure the leaves are can be seen or brushed back, and but don't force it. But let the song become what it's going to become. And that's a very hard thing for I think for a town like Nashville, where it's it's a factory putting mm -hmm. out songs to not do that. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes a bit of uh, a maturity and a confidence, I think, to as a songwriter to be willing to do that. 
Well, I think there are some songwriters that somehow are good at crafting songs oh, yeah. for artists. I mean, that's that's a whole nother thing. But for me, uh, you know, I, and I had other people that I respect tell me this very thing when they heard my songs that I was writing. Uh, and then after I stopped and just started writing, like instead of going into a, a writing appointment and going, what would, you know, would Martina say right. this or would Reba, I would just think, you know, would I say this? Yeah. You know, is this what I would say? Because if I feel it, if I would say it, there's probably someone out there that would resonate with it. And um, that is when I felt like my songwriting started kind of shifting into an even better place, when I stopped getting out of my head of trying to write for an artist and just write what I felt I needed to write that day, if that yeah. makes any sense. It's when he found her in Tulsa, she sent him back home. She said, I'll pay the price for what we both done. But don't ever doubt how much I loved you. It's just too late to change. You've written so many wonderful songs, and um, there's one you've played with us um, for, for years now that um, when, whenever you're coming back in town, um, and people, you show up on our schedule, people will say, oh, Marsha Ramirez, and they will, they'll cite this particular song, Ticket to Tulsa. Oh, yeah. And it's um, it's just a powerful song. Um, if, if you made it up, if you just made it up and just said, I'm creating this story and writing it, I thought, oh, man, that's a, that's a, that's a good kind of cool story. Um but it, but it's you. It's your life. Mm-hmm. Um, get walk us through this. Walk us through the experience of where that song came from, and then we'll then we'll talk a little bit about how you were able to craft that experience into a, an actual song. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a love story, really, and uh, a unique one. And um, ticket to Tulsa, I wrote with Liz Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, is a, she's, uh, you know, so many songwriters love Liz Rose. She's just a wonderful writer, wonderful person. And um, uh, Ticket to Tulsa is one of those songs that it is, it's very personal. And when I wrote it, never thought in a million years that other people would want to hear it or relate to it. But um, it is, it's one where when I show up, if I don't do Tulsa, usually somebody says, yeah. you didn't do Tulsa. Yeah. Um, but I'm an adopted child, and I found my birth parents later in life. I was 38 when I found them. And um, this is basically their story, is I decided to write it one day. And it was funny because I was in a writing appointment with Liz. And as writers do, we had just met. And sometimes you sit into these 10 a.m. writing appointments and you're trying to come up with something to write. And, you know, these are two strangers, basically. And we were struggling a little bit to come up with an idea that we both felt strongly about. And so she said, well, hey, listen, just tell me something that's been going on in your life. Maybe uh, we can pull something from that. And I said, well, um, I just got back in town from San Antonio, I just went down to meet my birth father for the first time. And she said, (laughs) what? She goes, tell me about that. So I I told her, I said, well, you know, this is a 
of the story is my my birth parents were young and uh, my mom was 17, a junior in high school, and my dad was 19, and um, they fell in love, and she got pregnant, and um, my mother's family ended up sending her away to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to a Salvation Army home for unwed mothers, and that's where I was born. And But when he found out that she had been sent away, he saved up some money and got a train ticket and rode the train from San Antonio to Tulsa and found her there and asked her to marry him. Mm -hmm. But she said no. She said, you know, um, we're too young. All the decisions have been made. This is best for the baby. This is best for us. You need to go home. And he did. Um, But when I found them 38 years later, uh, found them and six half-brothers and sisters, by the way, which was a whole other story. But... um, when I found him and got to meet him, um, at the end of the weekend, uh, he said, I have something for you. And he took me out the garage and pulled down the attic uh, ladder and crawled up in there and came down with this box that he had saved all these years. And in the box were all these old Polaroid pictures mm-hmm. of him and my mom when they were young and in love and sitting on the front porch of her house. And um, there were love letters that she had written to him from the home while she was waiting to give birth. Mm. And then there was this train ticket stub dated July 1961. And he said, you know, I saved this for you because I wanted someday for you to see it and know that I tried, you know. And he said, this box is all I've had of you but I don't need it anymore because now I have you. And he gave it to me. And at that point, Liz said, okay, you are not leaving this room until we write this song. 30 years later, the call finally came. That piece he'd been missing. He found it today. And that box in the attic, it finally came down. He gave it to Anna and said, Every word in the story is true, and um, and I recorded it, and I thought I would just sort of give it as a gift to them. You know, I wrote your story. You know, thank you. And um, but they both said, you know, look, we want you to. We, they, I said, do you mind if I put this on an album? And they were like, no, no, we want you to. You know, I wanted their permission first because again, it's a very personal story. And so then I started going, well, maybe I'll try it. And I would play it out. And people just loved it. Yeah. You know, they they just, I, people love a good love story. And that's yeah. what it is. And it has a happy ending, you yeah. know. And uh, so it's it's been an interesting thing. You just never know what is going to touch people. And, and another thing I found is that there are so many people in the adoption triad out there, you yeah. know, either they're adopted, they gave up a baby for, a, you know, adoption, or they adopted a child. And um, Have you had people come up to you at shows or, and they may not know you and have, have relayed stories to you? Oh, uh, it, it's rare that someone doesn't at oh, the wow. end of the night, if yeah. someone doesn't come up and say, well, I guess you saw me sobbing over there while you were singing Ticket to Tulsa. And then they tell me their story. Um, you know, sometimes I'll have an adoptee say, uh, 
now you've inspired me to go go find my birth parents. And oh. I'm like, okay, let's let's hold on a minute. You know, there's a lot to unpack yeah. there, and that is an individual, um, very individual choice for everybody. But um, like I said, you know, it's just a it's a beautiful story of they made the right decision a loving decision to to give me away so that I could have a stable, loving home. And the fact that I was able to reunite with them later in life and let them know they made the right decision. Yeah. It was it was beautiful for everyone involved, even for my adopted parents too, because they were able to see the whole thing and also know that, you know, even though I met my birth parents, it didn't change how I felt about them either. They were my parents, you know. So it sort of freed everybody to know that we all were exactly where we needed to be. Maybe that's why people are drawn to it. Is, yeah. Is, it's, a, it's true. It's a good love story, a good Hallmark yeah. <laughs> movie. But, Let's make um, a movie. <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's that it's that sacrificial love the aspect that um, is powerful. I mean, that's how they relate. And, and, and maybe the lesson to songwriters is... Um, you you didn't recognize the value of that story at the time. I didn't. You know, but Liz, you know, can pick up on those kind of things and was able to immediately see, hey, Marsha, because you think it's so personal, but a good songwriter is able to take what a really a personalized event or story and craft it in a way that it brings everybody in. Yeah. And that's the real skill. Yeah. I think so. I mean, you watch a movie, you know, made up movie, and you're brought into that storyline or whatever, and it touches you in some way, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or, or whatever. But um, yeah, this is actually a, a true story, and I think people, you know, I think people just relate to real. Right. I mean, in general, when you're writing songs, you can. I tell people this all the time in Song You when I'm talking to to songwriting students, you know. You can craft your way right out of a good, honest emotion sometimes. So to me, the perfect songs are the ones that are crafted well and still have this emotion, whether it's a happy emotion, a fun emotion, a sad emotion, whatever the emotion is. I've seen beautifully crafted songs that just don't touch me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to have that, that perfect meld of both of those things to, you know, to really... Make a great song. Well, yeah, it, it makes you makes you feel something. Yeah, and and and, um, and that's the other challenge of of what you went through with that song is, it's it's if you tell a story, it's it's kind of a big event. How do you how do you chisel that down to three minutes? You know, three and a half minute song. I mean, that's that's a real challenge. I think maybe it's maybe it's why, especially as young songwriters, they don't dig into certain stories because, yeah, how do you how do you take a something big and make it small, but still in three and three and a half minutes, four minutes, you can make someone feel the emotion of that song. Well, that's the beauty of a great lyricist. And I will say, yeah, you know, I'm going to tip my hat to Liz Rose on a lot of this lyric because um, she's a great lyricist. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's what a, a great lyricist does is they know how to cut all the fat off and just tell the story exactly, give all the points that's going to... But gonna, not rob the emotion. But not rob the emotion. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. that's hard to do sometimes. I mean, it, it is hard to do. It's hard to do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, but when you nail it, it's a beautiful feeling, you know, there's yeah. nothing like it. Yeah. So, so, and, and so anybody can go get it, right? Spotify, yeah. whatever the stuff is done, but... 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great song. And, and, and I think it's one of the first ones that you, you know, you connected to our, our base down here in the Alpharetta, Georgia area with that song. And um, um, thank you for writing it. Thank you for, um, thank you for um, being open as a songwriter to expose that part of your life. And um, because there's an aspect there too, that a lot of writers are afraid to let you, it's too close in because you know you find too much personal about someone that to let that you got to be really vulnerable as a good songwriter I think to tell some of those stories and if you're not willing to do that it's much much harder oh you do and I remember you know when I first started playing like the bluebird and yeah. places in town and I was some of those really personal stories Oh, it was so hard. It just felt like I was stripping naked in front of everyone, yeah. you know, to be able to like sing those songs and share my my heart and my gut and my soul to all these people. And um but you you have to do it. I mean, you just have to do it. But once you start seeing how that's affecting other people, and like I said, they relate to real. Yeah. It's the real stuff that people connect with. So I would just encourage any young writer out there to not worry about, you know, oh, this is no being one's going to relate to or this. Being afraid because the, what I've learned is that the, there's a commonality of the human condition. Yes, you know, we, we all hurt. Exactly. I mean, we all goof up. We all, yeah, we're, we're a lot more alike than we're different. Exactly. So even though you know you might be writing a song about your personal experience about something. Um, even Ticket to Tulsa, yeah. even people that aren't in the adoption triad, it's just sort of a, a, a story of, of redemption. You know, it's a story of, of, of love. I mean, you can apply that to different right. things, but you're right. We all live and breathe and share the same experiences. Uh, no one's not going to fall in love. No one's not going to feel pain. No one's not going to feel rejection or hurt or joy or sadness. I mean... Yeah, and so when that is, when your real emotion is based in the song that you're writing, it comes through, yeah. and people people resonate with it. Well, we see it all the time here on this show is that, is um, to me maybe that's the most valuable thing of being a songwriter is that um, songwriters do is they can make people feel not alone. Yes. You know? Yes, that's beautiful. So that's the gift, of, but. A song can change your life. That one's changed a lot of lives. You know, uh, people have heard it, um, um, and, and it's changed your life too. Yeah. You know, not it's just the story itself, but by expressing and making that into a song, how it's allowed you to interact with people. And, yes. Um, and that's what we do. We, as songwriters, we want to connect with other people, and that has that song has allowed me to connect um, with so many people, and I've loved that about it. Well. We love you, Marsha Ramirez. Thank you love so much you for being on the show, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Cause when I found her in Tulsa, she sent me back home. She said, I'll pay the price for what we both done. But don't ever doubt how much we both loved you. It was just too late to change things with a ticket to Tulsa.
Thanks for listening to A Song Can Change Your Life, recorded in the Black Box at the Alpharetta Art Center. Our special guest has been Marsha Ramirez. To learn more about Marsha, go to MarshaRamirez.com. To learn more about our show, visit AsongCanChangeYourLife.com. Our audio engineer is Jerry Knable. Our production coordinator is Jacob Davis Martin. Our production assistants are Christopher Allen Yates and Yolandi Hattie. A Song Can Change Your Life is a Home by Dark production and brought to you by the City of Alpharetta, Georgia, Fulton County Arts and Culture, the Fulton County Board of Commissioners, and Arts Alpharetta. My name is James, and I hope you'll join us next time on A Song Can Change Your Life.